Welcome everyone to the God Project Podcast, where we take an honest, in-depth, and personal look at how people encounter faith and spirituality. We aren't afraid to ask those tough questions we often have about God. So join us as we explore our faith, our doubts, and everything in between. Welcome to the God Project. My name is Bobby Ross, and I am a music producer in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I play in a band called The Fairweather with some really great friends, and I am a Christian. I first had a, I guess, a conversion experience when I was in I was thinking about this this morning. I can't remember if I was in the third grade or the fourth grade. Um, I was really young, and I was a member of a Baptist church. I was going to my grandparents' church, and they're awesome, awesome people. I actually got married in that church, but that particular night was a revival night. If you've ever been to a revival at a Baptist church, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. This was the night where they have tons and tons of pizza, and they lure all the children in to uh, talk to them about Jesus and stuff. So um, we had the pizza, and it was great, and I loved pizza. I was was definitely a pepperoni kid at that point. And that's kind of what I was thinking about still when, when the service started. And I can remember this really vividly because they lined all the kids up on the front row, and this traveling itinerant pastor began to talk to us about hell and just scared the living crap out of me. Like, I was just... I was terrified by the end of it. So all I got was this crazy, like, fire and brimstone, like, your death will be a thousand times more painful than the sun burning out. And <laughs> like, if you smoke a cigarette, you're going to hell kind of thing? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, like totally. If you it was do ridiculous. this, this will happen? It was, well, I mean, basically, basically what it was was framing Jesus as the rope being tossed to you from God. You are bound for eternal torment and damnation at the hands of a wrathful terrifying uh shadow of a creator and so naturally i asked jesus into my heart (laughs) you have to (laughs) and i had no other choice i mean any any person with a brain would have would have said yes i will be a christian um and so immediately christianity to me started out with a bribe and i was a kid and i didn't know how to feel about it because as soon as this happened i was just crying and i don't I still to this day don't know if I was just crying because I was so relieved that I wasn't going to hell or because everybody around me was praying so loudly and there was there was there was clapping and there was yelling there was it was just it was nuts it was really nuts I just I remember this cacophony in my brain and so obviously Christianity my experience with Christianity started off very traumatically yeah. and so uh, fast forward to middle school and I'm just a wreck because I never learned anything about the character of Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus was only ever offered to me 
as my way out, I didn't really know anything about him, and I, did, I wasn't giving, given any sort of frame of reference as to how I should read the Bible. Um, because all I read was God's wrath. All I read was this or hell. Um, and and, and I, I saw only ultimatums. I didn't see grace. I wasn't taught grace. And I, I had this feeling that I would, I, I could at any time backslide and lose grace. And of course, the Baptist would, would, wouldn't say that. I mean, that's not a Baptist belief. And I started to be very, very scared. I was scared of God. I was really, really scared of God as a middle schooler. And by the time high school came, I was so, I, I guess it was probably ninth grade, that I was just so terrified of this vengeful God that I, I couldn't deal with trying to to follow his rules any longer. I was tired of having eternity held above my head and acceptance uh, in the in the church body held above my head too. I wanted to be able to make mistakes. I wanted to be able to live my life without the fear that I was at any point going to be uh, kicked out of the circle of the lifeboat, right? And so, so I, I turned away. And I experimented with lots of different things because I had a, I had a hole. I had this yearning for eternity. I, I couldn't, I couldn't just ignore it. There was never a time where, where I, I ever thought that there wasn't a God or a force or something greater than, you know, just stark naturalism because that doesn't make sense to me either. There was, there was never a point that I didn't believe that there was something greater than the physical world because there's no logic to uh, a strict naturalism. There's no root cause, right? Science is not opposed to religion in any way. Like, I mean, we, we both know that. We've listened to enough podcasts, at least in yeah. the past. <laughs> We're educated and informed individuals. <laughs> informed individuals in the, in the free school of podcastism. Uh, and so I, I knew intuitively that there had to be cause, right? Science is only ever equipped to show what already exists. It can, o- it can only say what isn't. It can't say what is. It can't, there, it can't act in the positive towards anything that it that it is it is put to test right right and i'm not a scientist and i'm also not very wordy so bear with <laughs> now me. it makes sense that's good <laughs> right so just all i knew was i couldn't stand christianity i think one of the things that i hated the most was that jesus was just such a which just mocked me from the cross um there's, there's nothing worse than holding a picture of a of a of a dying, suffering man over your head every time you, you perform the slightest sin and say, are you going to hurt his feelings? Are you going to, to spit in his face? Will you be one of the mockers? And I didn't think I was being a mocker. I was just a kid and I wanted to live. You know, I, I didn't have any freedom because I didn't have any grace.
A lot of times people who don't believe in God see faith as this irrational behavior in response to thinking that there's a man or some divine being or a random force in the sky. And often that's paired with these apocalyptic street preachers or hellfire and brimstone church sermons. And it's no wonder why people think having faith in a god is so scary. We've all heard it. You know what I'm talking about. Nothing substance nauseates you. Something grabs you in terror and you both begin to gnaw on each other in fear. And you push the person away from you and you scream in terror as you realize it's one of your past buddies. Once again, a scream escapes your lips. Water! Water, please! Just for a moment of silence, but it never comes. Where's the parties now? Where's all the liquor and the drugs and sex and sand and dancing now? Where are the dark taverns and nightclubs? Oh, where are the gloomy places now? I'll even throw in where are the golfing and boating days now when you should have been the house of God listening to preaching. Where's all the times when you were in the amusement parks and at the movie theater when you should have been in the house of God? Oh, the memories, the memories of, of the preacher preaching about Jesus and the cross. The- you hear that? If you're golfing and boating, you better cut those things out or you're going to end up in hell. Now, this may be a little overkill and we've all heard it. We've just learned to dismiss it and rightly so in my opinion. But when it comes to true faith, What these hell and fire preachers miss is grace. When I was a senior in high school, I uh, thought I had knocked a girl up. Um, I was at a party, um, and I was drinking some sort of strange tonic that included vodka. Uh, (laughs) Which, kids, whiskey's great, vodka's evil. It's it's the devil. (laughs) That'll send you to hell. I'll send you straight to hell. Um, and so so I woke up at this party with this girl, and I go, holy crap. <laughs> I mean, like, anyway, so we, we went through about a month or so where I was just a kid. I mean, you know, like, I was 17 years old. I was yeah. like, surely she's pregnant. Surely she's pregnant. Oh, yeah. You know, like, whatever. It's like, the we didn't use protection. Yo, comes totally. to mind. And, you know, she she wasn't... It seemed like she was after a few weeks. Sure. You know? yeah. um, and so through that time, all I could think about was, I need help. I need help. I need help. And I didn't want to tell anybody, of course. Um, I need help. And so that was the first time I started thinking, maybe I should talk to God because if anybody could get me out of this, he can. And so I started off with platitudes. I started offering you know, this, the same the same thing everybody does. God, God, if you get me out of this, I swear, I will do this or that or whatever. Bargaining. Bargaining. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but then eventually, um, and this was probably five or six weeks in, I guess, um, I finally, like, reached this point where, like, I, you know, I had just decided that, you know, whatever happens, I'm going to deal with the consequences. And after after making that decision, uh, and this is, this is, not the way I, I usually experience God anymore, but at that time I had a very strong experience of grace for the first time. Like, I mean, I remember very, very vividly. I'll never forget it. We were, she and I were sitting in the car and I just started crying. I just, I just started crying and, and like I felt just wave after wave of, of, of grace. And in my brain, I, I wasn't a believer, but I just knew, I just knew immediately that this was Jesus.
I didn't necessarily hear a voice. I had a very, very deep impression of a person. Right, like of, of, of a real intelligence that, that saw me where I was and said, hey, I'm not gonna fix this, but I get it and I'm, I'm so sorry. That's something that that separates you know, Christianity from, from everything else because it, we, we, we have in Christianity a, a God who comes and meets us where we are, right? He does, he offers some answers, um, but, but for suffering, what we get more is, is, is just an image of a man dying, right? In, in the Christ, we, we don't have platitudes. We just have, dude, this sucks. I get it. And that, man, that the most powerful words in the English language are me too. If someone near to you has died, you can't, nobody can say anything to make you feel good. Yeah. They can just be there. And if, if you know they've seen that too, then that's, that's as close as you can get to, to, to any real comfort. What is faith to you? Faith is believing in something that's higher than yourself. Faith is learning to trust in spite of everything else and choosing to trust in spite of everything else. I think the best way to describe it is as a gift from God through the Holy Spirit uh, that causes us to trust deeply in God, to be faithful and true to who He is as, as God. have faith in God to me means to trust God. I think that oftentimes people throw around faith, uh, the word faith incorrectly. I think they think that faith means that if you don't understand something, you just take it on faith. But they don't understand that that means assuming something about yourself and about God first. It means that it assumes that you already trust him. And then you just take it on faith. But that's different than having faith in God. I think having faith in God has nothing to do with your assent and your belief in him, right? So you have to believe in God before you can have faith in him. And having faith is based on trusting his character. Um, once you trust his character, then you have faith in him. So we have this idea of what it means to have faith. And a question that I've had lately is, does faith mean that we have to be certain that something exists? Something as spiritual, as abstract as God, can we actually know for sure that he exists? Or is that the point of faith? That we can't actually know for certain, but that we believe and put forth hope and confidence that he is in fact real. So what is it for you? What convinces you that God is real? Is it something you see? Is it something you experience? Is there something that tells you for sure that God is real? This is something to think about, something to really 
search for and recognize in our own lives what is it that keeps you believing so if you have something in your head right now i just want you to stop and think about what it is that convinces you that god is real in your life pause this if you need to just think about it focus on what it is that draws you to god and that you can't turn away from and when you think of it press play again And if you're not able to think of anything, what would convince you that God is real? So I decided I'd come up with a little experiment. I want to know what convinces people that beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is real. The grandeur and the vastness of the cosmos. I believe in God because I see tangible manifestations of his presence in my everyday life. I've experienced joy and peace that can only come from a supernatural being at work in me. For me, it's the miracle of childbirth. I remember when my nephew was born. I was at the hospital um, with my family and we were just waiting hours upon hours. And the time finally came where we all gathered around the window where they cleaned him up and everything, and then this nurse comes through with this brand new human being. And a face that's never been seen on this earth. To me, in that moment, just seeing um, something coming out out of nothing, and that something being so special to everyone there. Um, It just seems hard to think how something so special can be formed out of seemingly nothing. I am convinced that God is real because when I gave up on everything else, I found hope in Him. I don't really think that there's a possibility for there to be a, a formula to show that God is real. It's, it's based on the experiences that I've had with God. I believe in God because I personally have seen the power of God work in my life and others, whether it be through physical healing or giving someone a peace of mind or spiritually giving someone a bigger purpose than just living life for themselves. Since I do believe, since I have become convinced, like, I'm convinced. That doesn't mean that I have to like everything that he says, though. And sometimes I just get furious, and I'll go months going, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And so I will, I will put up a fight. Like, I'm, I'm petulant, and I know that I'm petulant. But because of my experience with being able to question you know, from the beginning, from, from being in the habit of questioning, I'm still allowed to question. I think that that yeah. allows me to, to come to a, a, a place where I, I don't feel like I am obligated to trust in the mystery necessarily, right? Even if, even if I don't come up with an answer that satisfies me, I at least want an answer. 
he's, he's, he's big enough to, to provide one. I have to take the initiative. Like if you're not, yeah. if you're not, if you're too scared to ask a question, then you're not going to get an answer. Do you think he's big enough to withstand your questions? <laughs> Whatever doubts you have, he's big enough for it. Good, good question. So what I would say is, um, a lot of people will say they'll, they'll quote Jesus. I think it's Matthew five when, forgive me if, if I've got my scripture wrong, but when, you know, when, when Satan tells him to toss himself off the, you know, the temple and everything. And he says, you won't, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. Right? Well, I say, if you want to jump off a temple, you should probably not test God in that he's not going to, he's not going to bend the laws of gravity for you. Right? Like mm-hmm. if you say, God, I'm going to crash my car, uh, and if I survive, uh, you know, you exist. Or something even smaller, putting out fleeces saying, well, God, you know, if, if, you, if you want me to uh, be a pastor, then, you know, a pastor's going to call me tomorrow. That is just trivializing the sacred, right? That's, that's just like turning God into a vending machine or a yeah. puppet, you know. Um, but I think that when it comes to testing God and asking questions and saying, okay, Prove to me that this is not an idiotic thing to believe in. Prove to me that all of your followers aren't wackos. I think that that God is more than up to the challenge. And in fact, God would much, Gandhi said it this way, Gandhi said, I would rather have an aggressive man than a lazy man, because at least with an aggressive person, you have something to work with. Yeah. Right? Like if somebody, this is, this is another one, uh, if somebody does not have the courage to be bad, that doesn't mean that they are necessarily a kind person, right? Like if you're afraid to hurt somebody's feelings because it makes you uncomfortable, that doesn't necessarily mean you're being kind to them because you have, like you empathize with them and you're compassionate with them. It just means that you're too scared to hurt their feelings. Um, And if we are unafraid to ever test God with our questions, to, to be angry, to call him out, if we think that he's, being ridiculous like I, I'm, I'm serious about it if if we're unafraid to call god out then when someone calls us out we're gonna crumble like children right like like if you can't ask god your questions and if somebody asks you that question then you're gonna do one of two things you're either gonna fence them out if they ask it to you and be like like look you're ridiculous get away from me satan or and, and then not be able to give them a good question and maybe and potentially miss the opportunity to help someone who is genuinely suffering and right. say me too right or two, what you're going to do is you're going to lose your faith. And, and that's, I'm not saying that everybody who loses their faith loses their faith out of fear. But I am saying that it is very possible to lose your faith simply because all the while you were too passive to ever get to know God yourself. So I've been thinking about this tension between faith and doubt. And I've kind of come to think of it in two ways. The first way is that you run from your doubt. You deny it and try to keep it at a distance. And you try to believe your way out of it. You tell yourself, have faith, have faith, just pray through and cry out to God and make him take away the doubt. Then every time you experience that same doubt again, or doubt with anything, you continue to reject it. And you never really get to the bottom of it. Or number two, you embrace your doubt. You own your thoughts and recognize that you are in a place of questioning. I've read a couple books recently where a guy talks about how in life we find ourselves with addiction. He says, the addiction isn't the sickness, it's the medication for the sickness. Then he asks, what are you medicating? 
So he's implying that there's something deeper inside that you're medicating with, in this case, alcohol, pornography, or whatever it is. So I started to think of doubt in this way. If you don't dig deep into why you're doubting, then you're just putting a band-aid over a gushing wound. It might help for a bit, but it won't heal the deeper issue. Doubt is not a sickness. It's only a symptom of a change that's happening inside. And this change isn't bad. It's a part of growing, and it's a part of reshaping your thoughts and presumptions about who God is. Now let's get real. Doubt does not feel good. It's scary. I can remember a time when I was reading The God Delusion, a book by Richard Dawkins, and his whole goal in the book is basically to convince Christians that they're crazy and that everything is stupid that they believe in. So I'm reading this book, and there came a point around chapter 5 where I was seriously considering the idea that I had put my whole life into the hands of some thing, someone that was never there. This shook me. Like, literally, I was, I was trembling, and my heart and my stomach sank to the floor, and I can remember the second, the very moment where I thought, wow, this could all be false. I was so afraid that what consumed my life since I was a kid, my entire life growing up in it, that it was no more real than Santa Claus or a scary story that parents tell their kids to make them behave. A little bit ago in my interview with Bobby, I asked him if he thought God was big enough to handle our doubts and our questions. I happen to think he is. I mean, if he created us, every person in all of human history, if he created the planet Earth and every massive star and galaxy in the cosmos, couldn't he handle the question, God, are you even real? Here's what I'm getting at. Don't you think that if you have a creator, it's a good thing to question, that it's a good thing to doubt, at least for a time? Because that question can be answered in one of two ways. Either you find God and you experience him and he makes himself real to you, or you come to the conclusion that he does not exist and that he was never there and he was just a story. Now this might sound a little scary, and it's up to you. How much do you want to search for the truth? If God is the truth, don't you think that you'll find him? And if you don't find him, then I guess he wasn't the truth? But at all costs, if there's even an ounce of doubt in your mind, search for the truth.